Are you ready to take your first steps towards financial freedom by investing in property? Maybe you've started your portfolio but need some help continuing to grow. Best-selling property author Lachlan Vidler and the team at Atlas Property Group are here to help. As experts in property investment, Lachlan and his team are ready to help you take your next step in growing your portfolio. By completing the research, sourcing and negotiations, Lachlan goes the extra mile to find you a high-performing investment and set you on your path to financial freedom. Visit atlaspropertygroup.com.au to book in your discovery call, absolutely free of charge. This is a Momentum Media production. Welcome to the Smart Property Investment Show, the podcast by investors for investors. G'day, Phil Taran. How are you going? Smart Property Investment. Welcome to 2022. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying the break, recharging, resetting, recalibrating, re whatever word you can think of uh, as uh, we get set for the big year that is 2022 in property. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with this uh, COVID 19 pandemic? One uh, bit of information I have for you, get used to it. It's not going away any point soon. It will just become in time, I believe, based on what I'm reading from different people, normalised. However, that does not stop the impact and implication it continues to show. It's going to be busy year as we go into budget, which I understand is in May, federal election on the way through. Who knows if there'll be a change in government, what that means for Australian property investors, all this sort of stuff. What I do know is that you can control what you can control. Don't get too concerned about the stuff you can't control. And it's exactly how I approach investing in property, particularly the, in the Smart Property Investment Show. So as we sort of come into 2022, as we kick off the year, I just wanted to really do a bit of a portfolio update, give you a sense for where the Smart Property Investment Portfolio is right now and what our plans are for the coming year. If you haven't listened to this beforehand, you can go back and listen to a whole bunch of portfolio updates. One of the the reasons why we created Smart Property Investment many, many years ago, back when it was actually a print magazine, was to dispel a lot of the rumours, innuendo, the lies, the skullduggery, the lack of information, the lack of truth that we saw in property investment, where the only stories you ever saw uh, from property investors were the glowing ones, which made it look so easy to invest in property. They were always the how I got rich overnight type stuff, how I become a property millionaire in only a handful of properties, all this sort of stuff. We went, yeah, I don't know. It's not really the way it works. So let's do it ourselves. Let's build a portfolio inside of Smart Property Investment. And that's what we've done, the Smart Property Investment Portfolio. Go to the website, smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. You can go and check it out. What we've been doing over many years, which is includes buying and renovating and all the trials and tribulations of being a property investor, often about how inadequate I personally am as a property investor and how I've been able to sort of dodge a lot of bullets because I've been able to surround myself with people who know what they are doing. So as we come into 2022, we have a, a very mature portfolio now. We've been investing for a decade. Last count, you know, if you want to look at the numbers, and it's been a good year over 2021, property across Australia hiked by about 20 to 24%, depending on what numbers you choose to listen to. Uh, so our portfolio rounded out the year sort of, you know, probably between eight and a half and nine million bucks. The numbers keep going up. I sort of go put a big question mark around it and say, really, what's the thing worth? But um uh, we're operating at about a sort of 50, 55% LVR position. So heaps of equity in the portfolio has performed well. I've spoken a lot about it in the past. Go and tune into it. It's outside of the, the scope of today. But what I really wanted to look at is how we can capitalize on 2022 
and how we can best be framing this portfolio to capitalize on property moving forward and what that might look like. I've called in the studio, the man that's helped us build this original portfolio, Steve Waters. He's a director at Right Property Group. He was a buyer's agent who secured the properties inside of this portfolio. I did all the hard work. He didn't do much at all. So I'm going to claim all the benefits from it. Uh, I'm just going to say I was smart enough about bringing this bloke in at the right point in time. Steve, how are you going? Yeah, I'm not sure how to... That's a make of that introduction, but that's I'll, a Yeah, you're right. How <laughs> <laughs> could to be back, mate? That's uh, gee, the hostess with the mostess. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I must prefer doing this, by the way, Steve, uh, as a podcast rather than written journalism. It's uh, a lot easier to uh, number one, it's uh, more efficient. Uh, number two, yeah. I think you put a lot more personality in the podcast. So that was probably about two thousand words there. I would have had to write back in the day, but now I can just sort of uh, riff on the Smart Property Investment Show chatting about this. But, you know, I really enjoy talking about the portfolio on on a Smart Property Investment Podcast, uh, the Smart Property Investment Show, because it's hugely popular. People like it. People want to know do. what's going on. Um, they do. We haven't bought recently, it for a long time, but it still is relevant. It's been a while, yeah. Before. I recently saw a photo of you and I. Um, I don't know where we were, but we're out somewhere, and we were doing – someone's taken a photo of us doing a – you and I doing a portfolio review with, like, pen and paper. Okay. Which I thought, now that's going back some years. That's, about, that's in the coffee shop uh, behind us here, I think. I mean, oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I had a feeling it might have been an expo somewhere. Maybe. Maybe. I think by memory, we were planning the three-day renovation of that property that we had in, um, in well, we still have in, in Mount Druitt there near West. The units. Yeah, yeah, where we renovated it in three days. A new kitchen, new bathroom. New flooring. Everything was new, down to the light switches, down to the paint, the fixtures and fittings. Like, did, did we do new floors? New. We did new yeah, floors. Yeah, did everything. We? Like, look, there was nothing left that was other than the brickwork in yeah, that original. Uh, in that unit that was left original. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So, the journey that has been a smart property investment portfolio. Uh, Seventeen properties, eighteen doors, because one of them's a, a duplex. As I said, that you know the, the valuation of now, who knows? Every day you look at it, it goes up by about ten grand. <laughs> if that's the way you want to sort of price your portfolio, <laughs> better than being a podcaster, uh, I'm telling you, than be uh, <laughs> probably invest a bit. Yeah, that's done well. It's performed well. If you think about it, if you got twenty percent growth on a eight million dollar portfolio, what's it grown in the course of a year? You know, yeah, that's could, a it's a big it's chunk done of well. change. It has, but there's yeah. There was also years in the beginning where it grew in line with what we expected it to do, and then it mm. went sideways, as basically all asset classes did around property, anyways. Yeah, uh, for various reasons, it's had its trials and tribulations around repairs and maintenances and financing challenges. And you know, as the cycle evolves, as it does all the time, you will eventually get the benefits of compound growth if you hold it long enough and, and that's what you've just experienced. Yeah, if you hold it long enough. And um, I've shared on this podcast some of the, the parts of portfolio which I'm not that happy with and that is cash position. It, it costs us a bit to hold the portfolio. The last couple of years um, I went through that process and we spoke about it on on Smart Product Investment Show, Steve, of uh, repricing a lot of the interest rates, putting that time, energy and effort into speaking to banks to get sharper rates. That's been done. A lot of stuff come off fixed rates. That was good. And the mortgage rates, by and large, are okay at the moment without having to refinance. So that's reset the holding cost of this portfolio. However, uh, in the interim of that, a lot of the mortgages have come off interest only in our P&I. So all those savings that I had made by shaving some points off the interest rates 
have been absolutely compensated by the increase in uh, the repayments because I'm now paying principal probably on about five to six, maybe seven more of the properties. So, which I'm sort of okay with. Yeah, if you're going to do it, now would be the time to do it because of the the stage of maturity that it's at and because P&I rates are quite attractive mm. you know, as opposed to being P&I at 5%, you know, looking back at it historically. But it's, yeah. it's I mean, it's also a, to some degree a time versus choice scenario as well, meaning that, you know, do you have the time to put in the copious amounts of paperwork to rejig mm. it back to interest only, firstly, and secondly, do you want to? Yeah, and I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me. I haven't looked at it for about a week or so. But by memory, about half of the the negative in this portfolio now is is uh, principal repayments on on yeah. the loans. Um, so when I sort of take that away, and then I take away some of the other bits and bobs, look, it's a good portfolio, and I'm okay. We can carry the um, the negative in it and by and large as the portfolio matures and continues to mature and the uh, the income it generates through increasing rents uh, equalizes it's always going to be negative but i reckon it's not far away to the point where the negativity in this portfolio steve will be the principal interest uh, components yeah, i think that's a very good point because the portfolio's position also has a heightened degree of complexity and sophistication around it just from a financing point of view. Mm. There's a lot of added costs in there, which a lot of people wouldn't have because of entity structure and the like, which was a necessity, but you're reporting on it as well, which is good so that the the reader, the listener can see it, everything. But a lot of people don't have that cost structure as as you do. And then of course, once again, the choice around, or sorry, with that, with that structure that you have also comes a small adjustment in pricing in terms of interest rates as well. Yeah, and then the time needed to jig it, even just rem- slightly, takes a lot of time. But coming back, sort of swinging around to your point, that there's every possibility that the cash flow scenario will be the principal component. Should you want to put the time and effort into doing it, and then we haven't even talked about the rental increases as well, which yeah, you know, there are some there that are behind the eight ball as well. Yeah, but it's just this time of year, you'd be a pretty game person. Trying up rates. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of competition for rent, and you're already seeing now a lot of the narrative coming out of um, sort of forecasts around this saying is that rents will rise, um, depending where you are at different sort of levels. But as um, we start to accept a lot more people back into Australia, whether they're sort of students or, um, you know, migrants, um, it's going to put a lot of upward pressure on. Uh, rents, which should definitely help the cash position, but you know you've got to understand your own portfolio and and where your comfort level is. Now, you know I'm not hemorrhaging money. I don't need to sell anything in this portfolio in order to keep my head above water. So, you know that's a good place to be. That's how you make a few bucks in properties. Hold it over the course of time. We're pretty heavy, Steve, as you know, because you help build the portfolio in Brizzy. We've held a lot of assets up there for probably five years without much going on. We're now starting to um, reap the benefits of time now of that now portfolio. There's an argument to say, well, we probably could have bought a lot of this stuff two or three years later, and now we're getting that upside growth in it. But Brizzy's firing. Uh, that'll be good performer moving forward. But the big thing for us as we sort of come into and, and moving through 2022 is, number one, how do we balance out the cash situation? And I think commercial property will help with us. We're also thinking about doing some more sophisticated stuff. Let's get into that. I want to have a chat about it. But we'll go to Brett beforehand. Uh, stay with us back in a moment. 
looking for a blue chip Gold Coast investment property or trying to relocate to the beautiful sunny Gold Coast but keep missing out on the right properties? Maybe you need an expert on the ground to source the right property for you. The Srama Group are the leading recommended buyers agency specific to the Gold Coast, providing their clients with exclusive off-market property opportunities, specific insights into market, combined with a large network of dedicated professionals to ensure you make the right decision without the hassle. Get in touch with us at thesramagroup.com.au and secure your financial free today. Welcome back, everyone. It's Phil Tarrant, host of the Smart Property Investment Show with Steve Waters from the Right Property Group, chatting through the Smart Property Investment Portfolio with our Portfolio uh, Property Update podcast, where we're going, how we're seeing 2022. Now, Steve, we've spoken about this at length for many years, uh, properties game of finance, uh, you need your finance sorted out. We're now, and this needs to be the first thing that we do inside of the Smart Property Investment Portfolio is that to start thinking about how we can extract some equity from it in order to look for opportunities. No use even worrying about thinking about opportunities until we've actually got the equity extracted. And that might sound like a pretty clinical term, extracting equity. Pretty much what we're doing is refinancing it. So we need to do that first. It's quite a sequential type of uh, strategic body work that needs to happen through that. And when we come on next time, we'll we'll sort of go into more details. Is really understanding what properties are worth refinancing and why. And that's pretty much where you need to start at probably that property level. And, and by that, you know, the whole portfolio can is due a good refinance. Some of that refinancing might not be topping up these loans. It might just be getting a sharper rate and even fixing some of this stuff moving forward. So we need to go at a property by property level. Once you fix a, a mortgage, it's very hard to break that mortgage without sort of copping heaps of fees. So uh, you need to make sure the stuff you're fixing is probably on the properties that you're not going to do anything with. So we need to get that done. But then also looking where we can extract some equity and then what we're going to do with that equity. So I want to chat about those two things in isolation, but they're sort of one and the same. Uh, you would have heard a couple of weeks ago, uh, I spoke at length on a podcast about uh, some interesting news here at Smart Property Investment, how we've taken investment inside of a mortgage broking company called Finney Mortgages. Uh, Steph, I don't know if you listen to that particular podcast, mate. No doubt you do. You can't wait to listen to the Smart Property Investment Show every single week. But um, Every night um, before I go to bed, Phil. Every night, send you asleep. <laughs> uh, and one of the reasons why we did that was, um, number one, to help our property investors uh, with property finance. But number two, I wanted to use this um, facilities engine myself to get our portfolio uh, refinanced and and we're going through that process now and working with the team over at Finney Mortgages to do that. And we're doing exactly what we're talking about here, Steve, isn't it? It's about going, okay, should we refinance the whole portfolio? 17 properties. And I think there's probably about 20 loans on that. So by that, some of the some of these properties have um, multiple loans on them where we've refinanced or topped up over time. What's the best way to go about doing this? Number one, strategically, we need to refinance in, in order to cash up so we can deploy that capital elsewhere. But what's the best way to start doing that, do you think? I think the very first thing you need to do is work out what's the purpose. You don't, you don't want to be doing it for the sake of doing it. And there's a mm. there's a dollar cost averaging or a value proposition there as, as well. When I'm talking generally here, in your situation, the very first thing is, is establishing value, but also making sure that all the paperwork is up to date. Mm. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, your your sophisticated and complex structure is going to entail that there's a lot more work, I'd say 20-fold more so than you know, potentially another person. Yeah. Uh, so it's the, it's a time 
it's a time requirement from yourself and the team that is going to be really the challenging part. But if I come back to the purpose, clearly in this case, it is around sharpening the rates, therefore the cash flow position, but also the release of equity so that you, there's a there's a degree of, or hopefully a big degree of liquidity that might be parked back in the offset to take advantage of other opportunities should and when they present themselves. And when you drill back as to the reason why, other than what I've just mentioned, it's because for me, lending is as good as it gets today. And it's only going to get harder and harder and harder. So if the portfolio has a has the position where equity can be made liquid, then now is the time to do it. Because once again, it's not going to get any easier. And especially when you have you know, quite a sophisticated and complex structure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you're going to do the hard work, energy and effort to put together uh, all the information you need for securing finance, you may as well do it all in one. You may as well do it all at once, yeah. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Uh, every lender is going to require the same uh, information. And then it gets quite strategic. And I'm working with the team over at Fitty Mortgages around, you know, what lenders I go with, how many is a good level of diversity, uh, how many is too many, all of these type of questions. Um, but my sort of sentiments as I go into this process, Steve, is probably to end up at a point where we reprice everything. So we'll probably refinance the whole portfolio. And some of them might just be with the current lender, or it might be with a new lender, resetting a lot of those um, interest-only periods of five years that will minimize cash flow impacts moving forward. But where there is good equity and where we can leverage that is to refinance a number of these properties as well so we can cash up, so we can look for those opportunities as and when we're ready to go. Yeah, and some of it may not be about the releasing of equity, as you point out. It might be mm-hmm. a repricing scenario. There are properties within the portfolio that I would like to see repriced, however, the equity not touched mm-hmm. because they're more of a fickle investment and might be tilted towards cash flow to support the bottom line, so to speak. And there are others within the portfolio that were purely capital plays to be able to perpetuate further. But there comes a point in any portfolio where you, you, depending on what the goal is, you need to stop raping and pillaging, mm. so to speak, where you just keep taking and taking and taking and taking. There has to be an end point. Now, whether that's dictated to you by the finance ecosystem or whether it's by choice, because ultimately the goal might be to have zero debt against a portfolio. So clearly there has to be a, a pay down scenario somewhere, whatever that looks like to you. But we, I don't think we can also forget that the initial capital that was allocated to create the portfolio has been extracted probably many times over since. Yeah. So the portfolio owes us nothing. And we've spoken a lot this about in the future where we sort of ponied up the original chunk of change in order to get going with this. And when we refinance, we pull that money out. So essentially you talk about return on capital. Well, it's a million gazillion percent. Yeah, exponential. Because, yeah. because there, is, there is no initial capital left in his portfolio. So, you know, on that basis, it's a good portfolio, the um, good capital growth. And I think it's a really good case study on how you go about doing this. We're comfortable, well, quasi-comfortable with the cash position, but that's what we're talking about right now. Now, we might only top up two or three of these loans uh, to extract equity, and the rest of it might simply just be a complete repricing of it and resetting of the interest-only period so we can uh, use this next period of time to minimise cash outlay and maximise additional investments moving forward. Something significant would need to happen in terms of turning this from a negative to a a positively geared property, Steve, and and I'm thinking that is probably a commercial property to help with that if that's what we choose to do. But 
we're toying with a whole bunch of other ideas in terms of uh, development inside of this portfolio moving forward, whether or not we can actually develop anything we have right now and we have an asset down in Port Kembla that we're considering around it, or do we buy fit-for-purpose properties where we're doing it for the purpose of development. So this is where we're thinking also with this portfolio now that we've got the good base foundational property portfolio sorted out. If anything, we could probably do with less properties in a portfolio at a higher value, and that's probably the way we're going to go. Yeah, and it once again, fit for purpose. The base has done its job. Yeah, It's created the stability and the equity position to now bracket creep, so mm. to speak. Um, now, just, just in relation to commercial, though, and, and commercial – while the purpose is is cash flow and hopefully growth as well, there is an element of risk with commercial that you know, people need to clearly understand, and it's not all beer and skittles. And for me, the dollar value you spend on commercial, especially in this portfolio's position, if we're looking to adjust the cash flow situation, then we're we're going to need to spend a fair bit on commercial so that that cash flow needle moves enough to warrant the risk associated with it. But in terms of development, uh, we could also adjust the cash flow position via putting secondary accommodations on probably three to four properties, which would immediately adjust the cash flow mm. position and give some pretty good benefits on the flip side around deductibility. But also, as you mentioned, there is Port Kembla, yeah, which could be potentially a knockdown rebuild for high-end property if we can just get the moons and the council regs to align. Yeah, and there's a lot there. So this is all the what is with this portfolio, but it still comes back down to capital, uh, the finance side of things and, and capital. And there's plenty of equity in there, but do we want to sort of pull, unnecessarily pull equity out of it that we don't need to? You mentioned there, and I know a lot of investors are doing this right now, they're, while they're in the motions, they're refinancing, they're topping up to 80% and they're just parking money in offsets. So it's not necessarily costing them any more money to hold their portfolio. However, it is influencing their entire debt position. So even if you've got 100% of a loan offset in the eyes of the bank or other lenders, they're going to be deeming the fact that you have that debt and therefore you're liable for that debt. So it's nice to actually sit there and refinance everything up to 80% and keep stuff in offsets, but that's going to completely change your overall debt position, which may make it more difficult to get other finance into the future. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, oh, forget about that, Steve. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. The, the debt position clearly is is something to think about, even though there is hopefully a great deal of liquidity and you've parked it in your offset or whatever it may be so that it's not costing you anything. Mm. That requires a certain amount of discipline though as well, not to spend it on you know, sort of unproductive or non-productive debt. Go buy items. yourself. Well, you can't even buy a brand new Holden Commodore now. They don't make them anymore, do they? No, you can't get yourself a Land Cruiser either. You've got a 12-month wait. But what the extraction of equity does, and even if you park it back into an offset, it's changing the overall serviceability position on the portfolio. So the mm. debt position is one thing, but more importantly, it's the serviceability scenario. And that's where you know, the good bank or the good broker needs to find that sort of equitable position, that fine line where hopefully you can extract the equity, but also be in a position to borrow further for you know, asset, um, more asset accumulation, if that be the case. Yeah, and, and I always like doing a portfolio update, property update on the Smart Property Investment Portfolio because it just makes me reconnect back in with the portfolio and I don't think about it every day. I know it's there. It's sort of reasonably well managed. Uh, it's in pretty good state. Some of the interest rates are a bit high. We spoke about this, but um, 
it makes me sort of want to go and make sure, just go through all my different banks and make sure my interest rates haven't moved uh, behind the scenes when I haven't been watching. And uh, there was one of them just the other day when one of them come off a come off a, a fixed rate product to variable and it, they racketed right up on Standard a variable, variable. rate. Yeah, 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 which was a percent higher than what I was paying at fixed. It was five well, point something percent, right? And it was a big loan as well, eight hundred grand on this thing. And I just went, hang on a second. And I had a big argy-bargy with the bank around it. So, you know, I know I reset it, but I, I haven't gone back and checked it. So I still yeah, don't know whether about or not. It. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm still paying that in the, uh, and the bank deliberately forgot to do it. And I've been there and I've fought with banks, hammer and tongs uh, over a period of time um, uh, with complaints and all this sort of stuff. They, they took pretty seriously, to be fair. But it's fatiguing work. It's not the most glamorous of work, but you've got to get your house in order. <laughs> Literally, it's all those little things. And it's like one of the things I suggest for clients is to just make sure they set something as simple as a calendar event for when those loans come off either the fixed or the you know, the interest only so that at least the calendar event's going and subconsciously, you know, to be able to pick up the phone and say, I've got to get onto this now, rather than it just happening in the background and, and potentially around this time of the year, not forgetting it, which probably just comes into my head, Phil, Check your insurances because I just yeah. know historically that you've got four or five that come off around Christmas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think I think we're right across this, Steve. Don't worry about that, mate. But what, what you're talking about, I need to go through and just because I've Correct. got it set up in a way in which I can look really quickly. Okay, when when is the interest only period coming off? Uh, when is the when is the insurance fall due? All that sort of stuff, and it's just it's just admin. It sounds like it's just admin. It's you know, as in it's not that important. It's bloody important. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, your minister, right? But yeah, good admin means that it shouldn't be hard to do. It should be easy to do once you get it all set up. But um, you know, it's process driven. A lot of investing yeah. is process driven. Yeah, being process driven and knowing what processes to follow, and again, keeping it really simple. But I want to be thinking about what we can do moving forward. And in 2022, we do want to start buying again. Let's get into that. Um, let's get another break. Stay with us. Uh, back in a moment. The mark of financial success isn't about getting bigger, better, faster, or more. To Paul, success is freedom. Freedom to spend more time with his family, or giving back to his community, or just more time to go surfing. Paul Glossop, an award-winning property buyer and regular guest on the Smart Property Investment Podcast, has taken the lessons he's learned building a multi-million dollar property portfolio and laid them out in his best-selling book, A Surfer's Guide to Property Investing. For a limited time, get your free copy of Paul's award-winning book and receive a roadmap for building both lifestyle and wealth through property investing. Grab your free copy today at purepropertyinvestment.com. Welcome back, everyone. Phil Tarrant from the Smart Property Investment Australia with Steve Waters, Right Property Group, chatting through the Smart Property Investment portfolio and buying property. Now, Steve, as we go down this pathway of potentially developing, to your point, we could probably move the needle a little bit on putting sort of dual incomes on properties. And by that, you mean sort of granny flats. Uh, I'm not that attracted to it. It just sounds like to me a whole bunch of hard work for a little bit of gain, whereas I'd much rather get bigger bang for our bucks through developing. Now, we're talking about this property we have down in in Port Kembler. And uh, this is an area identified uh, by you and presented to us back in 2015, yeah. somewhere there about, um, yeah, somewhere around there. We bought probably one of the worst properties on one of the better streets in Port Campbell in a place where if we were to develop and go up two stories, we'd, we'd have nice ocean views. And Port Campbell, by the way, has got one of the most beautiful beaches in um, 
in New South Wales wins awards all the time. Once they blew up that smokestack and uh, they're starting to change the demographics of the area, I think Port Kembla and those areas around there will continue to shine. And we've spoken about it. Port Kembla, I would say, falls into this thesis I have now of rural and regional properties within striking distance of your CBDs are the ones that which are going to be attractive moving forward, whether or not we saw that back when we invested in this property. But we bought this thing cheap. It's going up rapidly in value. That's a potential development site that we need to be looking at. But when you look at the portfolio, Steve, is there anywhere else, any other areas that we could develop? We have a property in St. Mary's. You can go and check it out on smartprotinvestment.com.au. It's on a corner, ripe for probably, I would say, some sort of duplex. That's probably the smartest and most simplest place to develop when you consider two-street frontage, absolutely flat block, similar types of developments have have happened or are happening in that particular area. Uh, It's within the whole precinct now, which is really sort of accelerating in value around um, St. Mary's being the hub for transport networks out to the Aerotropolis out of Badgerick's Creek. Everyone's talking about it. That would be an obvious place for us to start. It would be an obvious place, but it would almost be, it's something that I wouldn't be earmarking for right now to knock down a perfectly good property mm. to build, yeah, plus one, so to speak. Yeah. And and that's why that was one of the, the properties in the back of my mind for that secondary accommodation, should it warrant it. Now, what I mean by that is if the position of the portfolio, the cash position of the portfolio became crucial where we needed to adjust to create cash flow for survivability, well, that would be an obvious choice with probably two or three others. And that cash flow position could change quite remarkably quite quickly. But one of the things around the construction at this point in time, no matter what it is, are those bottleneck supply chain issues, which is forcing the cost of construction up some 30% and potentially more. That will have a, a direct effect clearly on the cost of construction, but there's going to be a flow on down the line for that, all through to clearly value, but also the return on investment for the investor via their rents from a a very bigger picture result, if you will, because it's not just on that individual property, it's across the whole of the country. So there's definitely going to be some, I'd say some pivoting over the next year or so and, and coming all full circle back to the position around finance. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And a lot of people sort of get caught up, swept up in development. And as we sort of go, we've just gone through this. Now, if you started developing property back in uh, the, I don't know, the 19s or 2018, 2019, did all the hard work, broke ground and started completing those properties or selling them off the plan and, and completing them sort of in 2021, I reckon you'd done pretty well in property development. But property development runs in cycles and even the best property developers find themselves at some point in time in a spot of bother when markets move in a way in which they haven't really accommodated for. Now, we're talking about growth in 2022, albeit at a slower rate than what took place in 2021. Forecast is talking about a slowdown and maybe at least flat or negative growth in 2023. So start thinking about developing property now on the basis that when you hit 2023, when you're selling these properties, it's going to be the sun shining. That might not be the case, compounded by the fact that, number one, good luck trying to find a builder right now. Number two, good luck trying to get um, materials that are at a price which makes the numbers stack up. And point number three, try and find yourself blokes and, and girls who can bang a hammer or, or lay some bricks or put some drip rock up because they just don't exist in Australia at the moment because we're waiting for skilled workers to come back in. So maybe not the best time to be doing a development. However, probably not a bad time 
to be thinking about acquiring assets for development into the future, i.e. 2024-2025. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think controlling the opportunity for the future, that's the name of the game when investing in real estate. It's its not the dollar tomorrow, it's the opportunity that uh, will be created over time. The interesting thing for me, though, is just to couple on to the back end of your conversation around trying to find a, a tradie, try to find materials, et cetera, et cetera. Those that do the, and that develop today and pay the premium for the development and pre-sell them may find it challenging in the, the next, call it two to three years, for the purchaser to complete based on will it stack up at contract mm-hmm. price during the valuation, and that'll be history repeating itself. Which it always, which always does. Which it always does. Yeah, that's a really important point. What Steve's talking about there is, um, say you want to do a development, and we're not talking about building, you know, skyscrapers with two hundred apartments in it, right? We're talking sort of, I don't know, four, five, six, ten townhouses mainly, maybe, or a small apartment block, right? Sort of, it's not mum and dad investing, but it's not like your institutional sort of mm. investing. And, and there's a lot of people operating this space now. In order to get the finance, you need to get pre-sales, and I'm sure you can probably sell these things with a nice glossy brochure and uh, promises of uh, price increases by today's price to to um, get the benefits uh, moving forward. You might get those contracts, you might get them signed, and you might get those deposits and the bank might lend you the money so you can undertake the construction process and everything connected with it. But at the point in time when you're ready to hand over the keys to property purchase uh, A or B and they go, oh, um, yeah, like we contracted it. $800,000 for this, but the bank reckons it's only worth $700,000. Um, I can't uh, do it anymore, or you need to sell it to me at $700,000. And this is what happens all the time when it comes to this cyclical nature of, of development, where you either rip up the contract, you keep the deposit, you got to try and sell it to someone else, or it just sits there stagnant and uh, you're carrying the debt for the property. Uh, you haven't been able to offload it. you got to still furnish the debt to the lender. Developers can find themselves in trouble. Yeah, and that's why developing is a very risky scenario as long as you can time it perfectly. Yeah. And that comes back to my point around controlling the opportunity for the future to build potentially in a timed process to hit the ground running on the rise rather than what could potentially be the peak of a market. And as you mentioned, valuation's not stacking up. And what about if the the finance ecosystem changes and there's no more 90%, it's 80%, there's no first homeowners grant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now that's Clearly, I'm being extremely pessimistic here, mm. but developing, I believe, requires that type of filter on it of the what ifs and where can you survive if those what ifs yeah. eventuate. Yeah, and, and doing your numbers conservatively. Look, there might be upside. Who knows what happens with markets? But you know, most property investors want to sort of make at least 20% on the way through, right? Would be sort of base level stuff for the time. Uh, and yeah, look, I, yeah, I prefer to be cutting 30% as we call it. Yeah. But that's going to become more and more difficult as the supply chain bottlenecks continue to happen. And then you throw in the latest variant of COVID, and that's only going to put more pressure on the supply chain networks throughout the world. Mm. Well, this is it. we're waiting for the borders to open up so we can get some Irish builders out here who typically flood our construction sites and get well, the I don't know done. if they will. I don't know if they will this time around because their market is doing extremely well. Yeah, there you go. They're not sort of uh, trying to get out of the town to try and find opportunity. Um, and again, this is something that that's all environmentally. This is sort of the intersection between macro and microeconomic forces, correct? And how it sort of shapes or impacts the 
Aussie property investors. So that's one area we're looking at is development. I think we'll pursue that by some properties for purpose. Obviously, that will stack up if we didn't develop them, but uh, have those those potential. I'm not talking like big stuff. I'm probably talking sort of three to four townhouses is, is where we'll aim. But we're also thinking, Steve, around some land banking. Uh, so the notion of land banking, you know, 30 years ago, it was buying up heaps of land out at Badgerus Creekway on the basis that they might build an airport. Some people have probably done pretty well out of that. But land banking now is probably a little bit different. Land banking can be sort of smaller land banks. Um, you know, where do you go and buy 20, 30, 40 acres these days on the basis that in time the urban sprawl will hit there and it'll get rezoned, Steve? Um, what's your thoughts on this? It depends on how long your view is. If you took somewhere like Sydney, well, eventually that sprawl will get there. Mm. It's just been creeping and creeping, and you could argue that all areas do that, but um, over time, it depends on how deep the pockets are and how or what ease to sustain the rather large debt when you are land banking at, to be able to make the reward. So if you go back to the Badgerys Creek scenario, there were a lot of market gardeners in there, mm. a lot of dairy farmers, and then there clearly was the people that land banked for this what's happening right now, but yeah, they might have been a a syndicate or someone that was just very well you know, versed in terms of their own position to be able to carry it for some time. Yeah, And that's the key is to carry it for some time because no one is ever going to know when they're going to sign off on that piece of paper to change the zoning of an area. You know, I, I remember parts of New South Wales or Sydney in and around Box Hill, which were, was going to happen since the early 2000s, and then it got cancelled probably three times. So a lot of people who were land banking lost a lot of money because they couldn't afford to hold it for that long. You know, had they? Well, today, that's a different story. Uh, mm. So go into land banking with your eyes wide open and very deep pockets. Yeah. And look, I think it would um, uh, our portfolio would benefit from not too much of it, but some land banking where, who knows? But land banking can even be sort of buying up two to three or four adjacent properties in a uh, already established area. That can be land banking as well. It doesn't need to be greenfields with cows on it, right? No, exactly. Yeah, it, it could be, I don't know, take Port Kembla, yeah, mm. the, the block next door as well. And then suddenly, you know, we have a you know, 180-degree water view property in an area that's, should I say, gentrifying with lots of knockdown rebuilds, mm. and the dynamics change immediately. That's a land banking Mm. Scenario. It's actually a good idea. Maybe we should door knock next door, Steve. Already, and, uh, already done. Already yeah. Because on one side, I think it's been developed. The other side is Correct. not. It's a, it's a better property than what we have. But um, yeah. And but e- even if it's behind, right? Because yeah. I think the the fence alignment is pretty good. You know, that's good land banking. You know, you build that's great land banking. Nice yeah. little nice little development there. So that there, I, I, I like the idea of that as well. So lots of opportunities, but it still comes down to the great work. The team at Finney Mortgages now need to do in sorting out the finance around it, sort of getting good, smart instructions from me about what I want to do. It's not like, hey, can you tell me what I, I can do? I need to say, here's a portfolio. These are the properties I want to refinance. These are the ones that I want to top up. These are the ones I want to keep the same. These are the ones that I want to fix. These are the ones I need flexibility, so they need to be interest only. Uh, and then, then furnishing them with all the information they're going to need in order to sort that out. No doubt they'll probably start with the lenders it's currently with who will probably want to keep the business. And I just did some personal stuff recently and I was able to move stuff because I was increasing my debt with one particular bank, probably shaved about half an interest rate off what I was paying for, yep. for exactly the same property. So a lot of the lenders will accommodate it if you go through the process around it because they don't want to lose those loans. They don't, but there's not a lot of loyalty either. Mm. And please, banks don't come ring, ringing me and crucifying me on that comment, <laughs> but it's a fact. 
it's uh and i think a lot of lenders may rely on the the laziness of the consumer not to go oh, through the heartache to change of course uh, and every basis point or every blip is dollars in your in your pocket but mm. it's a good point that you made around instructing the brokers on what you want and that's not potentially from a technical point of view it's from what's the purpose going back to yeah. the beginning of the conversation this is the what's outcome the- that i want the reason why you go away and work out how, yeah, how Shazam, that make it happens yeah. but the one thing that was very important in what you said was around the property not just the overall portfolio's purpose but the property's purchase and an example of that might be that you want to extract equity but you don't want to fix the rate because there's a bigger plan for the property in the short term. For example, this property we're talking about in, in Port Campbell or even in St. Mary's would be silly to fix those to loans. Fix it, correct. Because to get out of that would be an expensive exercise. So you're better off having a flexibility. Look, you might refinance it, you might top it up, but if you have a uh, interest-only uh, loan on it with an offset and you put all that money back into it, well, you're not really paying anything more and you're probably getting a sharper rate. So you know, these yeah. are all the little bits and bobs. And I'll share that as uh, I work with the guys at Finney Mortgages around it. You can, if you want some more info on them, Finney, uh, just go to Finney, F-I-N-N-I.com.au, and they're happy to have these chats with you as well. I'm, I'm sort of picking their brain around it. So go and say g'day to them. Oh, that's good, Steve. Well, it's time for action, 2022. Let's get it done. We can now move with, we've got everything sorted out. We can now move with a lot of decisiveness. Um, uh, refinancing 17 properties is going to be good fun. Yeah. It'll be a hoot. It's uh, who'd want to be a broker? Who want to be a broker? Who want to be who want to be my my mortgage broker? Oh God, I apologise in advance. I've no, got a really good. They're really cool. They 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 know what's coming. But um, and the thing is also I you know I'm going to talk a lot about this. So I'm going through this journey of refinancing the portfolio. So hopefully everyone can learn from how I go about doing it, so you can avoid some of these pitfalls and complications around it, but also the smart ways uh, to doing it. And my point would be. Number one, get yourself a good broker. Number two, know what you want and be a good client for them by steering them down the way that you want them, but relying on them to give you the right uh, insights and recommendations. Uh, thanks, Steve. Always good to catch up, mate. Yeah, pleasure as always. And um, I'll see you again soon. We'll bring you back in. We'll do another portfolio update. Uh, Steve Waters, right? Property Group. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Remember, go and check out smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. Go and check out the portfolio there uh, as well. Uh, favor for me if you like what we're doing uh it's just not myself here chatting i've got a great team here who make me sound good the engine behind this podcast they really get a kick out of reading those reviews wherever you listen to it most of on itunes if you can leave a quick review uh really appreciate it thank you very much we'll see you again next time until then bye bye the information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon before making any investment insurance tax property or financial planning decision you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. Leverage the power of your super with an investment loan through your self-managed super fund. Our expert brokers can help you invest in residential or commercial property through your super, even if you don't have the funds to buy an investment property outright. At Finney Mortgages, we have access to lenders who specialize in loans for self-managed super funds, so we can maximize your loan amount and get your loan approved faster. To secure your financial future, book a call with an experienced Finney broker. Head to finney.com.au. That's F-I-N-N-I.com.au today.